Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everyone, it's Red Men Originals podcast time. I'm Paul Machen alongside me, Chris Payjack on the opposite couch, Chloe Bloxham. Dan Club, all with big smiles on our faces because Liverpool won another game of football. Um, Getting red. Just boss. Just, just, why didn't we do more of this last year? Why didn't anyone think? Just don't be crap. Be good. Win games. I mean, have your crap moments, but then ultimately be good and win. That's the that's definitely the way to do it. Uh, right, we are going to be um, talking about the last game, the three one win over Wolves. We're going to be talking about the evolution of Mo Salah uh, as well. I'll have a little a little mention of the last game toward the back end as well. But uh, before we dive into that, um, all of us, every single person involved in the podcast today, travelled down to London on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the four of us and and, yep. and Aaron, who's producing. Got up at five in the morning, got taken down to London in effectively a minibus, um, and played in a five-a-side tournament. How are we? Played. Yeah, well, we took part. Uh, we took part. Um, how are we all feeling? Chris, how are you feeling? I'm, I'm a lot better than I was yesterday, which was better than the day before, which was better than the day before. I'm still a little bit sore in places. I've now officially retired from... Football, I think. We'll see. Yeah, again, just saying. Like, you know what I mean? I, I am officially retired now. I have not felt so bad as I've felt the last few days. Like, I, I don't think ever, to wow. be honest with you. And I include when I broke my nose in, like, multiple places and <laughs> when I broke my arm. In this, I've never felt so bad scenario. Incredible stuff. Chloe, how have you been doing? Um, it, it wasn't good. Uh, my ankle swelled up. Thankfully, that's Did you have a bump on your head, actually? No, <laughs> no, I never. I did take one to the head, like, didn't I? And then screamed at the ref. Uh, yeah. I thought you were about to give a foul. I was like, what am I supposed to do there? Um, that, that was the, that was the, the pitch highlight. at which you argued with them as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, dogs running all over. Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, yeah. Yeah, it, two hours stood in the same place watching the Reds and the first 45 minutes where like my ankle was just stuck stiff in one position didn't help as well as the stewards I asked you know where's the away end here I was right outside the away end and he told me it was the other side so me hobbling on my ankle did two laps of the entire stadium before finally finding the away end and respect of the week to that steward by the way that is just like needle for needle sake uh, but yeah, I'm doing fine now. Reckon I should do a workout today, but I hope, I hope my ankle swells up again, so I don't have to. The real barometer of this is how is Dan Club doing? Because <laughs> Dan is the fittest. Well, Dan and Aaron are the fittest amongst us. Um, we noticed you struggling at the time. Oh, 
struggling isn't in it. By the fourth stroke fifth game, last game that would have been, I was in a whole world of pain. Like, as we know, five o'clock in the morning, as you mentioned, we got up. That five o'clock was fine for me. Yeah, you've been, you been in the gym by the time you I, came here to be picked No up. issues. Getting up, no issues. Getting here, no issues. Sprightly, I'd describe myself as. <laughs> by the second five o'clock of that particular day, less so, I was a broken man. An app man. No, you're right. By the second five o'clock, me and Paul were doing something very bad on the side of the Just to clarify. Just to clarify. Weeing uh, yeah. just before then, I guess that could be I have yeah. photographic evidence that will never see the light of day on that, by the way. But yeah, oh, mate, I was in a whole, whole world of pain. Like, I did so much running, a crazy amount of running. I did a half marathon earlier on this year, and I could only really relate it to that and the pain that my legs were in. It was just gone. There was moments whereby if the pass was overhit by half a yard, that wasn't mine anymore. If my touch was wrong by half a centimetre, that ball was gone as well. It was just, and what really made it sink in for me, because you're right to mention Aaron, Aaron's also incredibly fit and active in the last game when he was sat on the floor and went I can't I just can't do it and then went off for the rest of the match he's like right okay we are struggling here now and then play cricket Saturday obviously and by my obviously. I think about 15 overs and people who know cricket will know what that means about 15 overs consecutively and the captain came up to me and said right you can stop now and then come back later and try and win the game for us or you can carry on and I went if I stop I am not coming back because I will seize up within about five seconds. So, yeah. But all good now, thanks. I'm all okay. I think that's really interesting, Paul, but how did your Sunday go? So, uh, yeah, I spent my Sunday in the in the, in the the old swan walking, uh, having my blisters tended to because they were bad. Like, they were really, really <laughs> I bad. I mean, going to a walking for blisters, it's they so must else. have been some blisters. I, Even I didn't do that. Yeah. It was Mega to the point... Blisters. Well, the thing is, because I'd had to get up and get on with my day on the, the, the Saturday. The TNT pre- Madonna over there, can you sort and bless this out, yeah. please? I, I was getting blasters on, but it was a point where I couldn't walk on Friday night. And I'd said, I was like, here we go, biggest moment of my entire career, and I can't walk. I had, I had, I had different shoes on for driving, that's how bad it was. Like, wow. you mean, I couldn't trust the shoes that I Did had. Did you go for trainers or sliders? I, I had trainers, but like, yeah, they were they're basically like slippers at this point, they're that old. Um, but yeah, horrendous. So I spent five hours. They're, they're, they're not fine, they're all right. There's nothing horrendously bad with them, they're just really painful. But uh, yeah, not great. Because uh, this is, well, this is the point where when you've got no skin left on both balls of your feet and, and both. <laughs> big toes you stop but that happened after the first three games and I took my sock off and went oh god so we let me some blister plasters I've had to put them on and just had to, we just had to crack on you know and then it was by the end work. my toe was in agony and he's had all my fucking blister plasters it was really hot wasn't it it was dead hot oh, it was, it was bad um there is a there is videographic evidence oh, of how God. this went. I think we should not. It's check. coming out. It's coming out later this week. But we're going to give you a little, a little, just a little taste of uh, of how this went. Yeah, two that days was a finish and a half. That that. Two days from now, the uh, Red Men Originals Five Aside Special will be launching over on Red Men Plus. If you want to see how we coped, um, just to say by the way for everyone watching, it was walking football. It was from our team. No, sadly, we couldn't get anyone else to agree, agree to those rules. We, I tried. I had to no, sign we, off with the purples on a one-all draw if we just didn't play the game. I had, no one took me up on the offer. I had the greens, and the greens said, yeah, we can take a nil-nil walk football. And him over here was like, no, can't do that. That was the game my legs gave up as I well, know. ironically. 
anyway uh, yeah if you want to see us uh, playing five-a-side football then please do check out Revan Plus this week um, yeah Wednesday therefore 1920 yeah Wednesday yeah. Wednesday that's going out so yeah hope you hope you enjoy that dear me uh, Acast Jason Hardy asks uh, are our podcast providers so uh, yeah we work with them they host our podcast all the audio versions of this show uh, are hosted by Acast uh, over on all you big podcast and apps basically so yeah good people invited us down uh, to make absolute pricks of ourselves uh, thanks so much look forward to uh, next year's tournament um, right last game Wolves 1 Liverpool 3 Chris Page after the first half Liverpool were fucking rubbish absolutely pathetic wasn't it to be honest um, Neto just had an absolute field day against us that's pretty much all I can remember from that first half is, is him running in behind time and time again and running past fellas and whipping the ball across and um, he was just unbelievable but I think the biggest thing about the first half and, and I'm sure everyone will have picked up on it is that like within two minutes Joe Gomez was in the you know, in that sort of box midfield and everyone was like, oh my days, really? Is this what we're going to do here? And then as the half went on, it wasn't just Gomez, was it? It was Sobersly at times, it was Kurt Jones. We were trying to manufacture a box midfield and that that kind of made sense for Gakpo being in the side in the nine because he was dropping into the middle of the park and stuff. And um, so we were, we were looking for ways to sort of continue to play the same way as we have been but without Trent Alexander-Arnold and I think at half time Jürgen just went yeah fuck this <laughs> this, this isn't working and that's obviously a little bit gutting you, you obviously Jürgen now I feel like just with the way that we started that first half is very much this is the way that Liverpool are going to play football and that's like the the, the hammer in the you know the nail in the coffin of the four-three-three formation, but after that first half, I'm not sure whether he can continue with that plan anymore. Like it's like okay, maybe it's like Undertaker back from the dead type of stuff for the four-three-three now mm. because we were so bad, and you know I think McAllister unfortunately was poor. Um, he looked absolutely shattered. Like, um, but at least Jürgen made the right decision, and at least you can see that we've got a squad now where you can actually effectively change games. Well, yeah, that was it. I was going to say, Chloe, there's a temptation there, I think, to slaughter Gomez, to slaughter McAllister, Gakpo. I mean, honestly, I, I thought he was he wearing like Harry Potter's invisibility cloak or whatever in the first half because I didn't basically didn't do a thing apart from have one moment right toward the end of the half he had like three shots didn't he yeah. Sky's one he heads one over the bar as well and obviously scores before going off he um, he's but I think the thing is it's whether there's a wider context to it what were your, what were your thoughts individual mistakes a wider issue what a bit of everything the the sloppiness on the pitch it was like no one can complete a five yard pass the ball was always too short it was hospital balls is what I'd say there was so many players instantly under pressure you just knew the ball was getting taken off you straight away it was like we weren't awake half of them were still you know maybe on different time zones thinking that they were still in bed because that's what it was like and it was the midfield where we just couldn't gain possession Liverpool tried but every time we passed in and around the midfield area Matthias Cunha or someone would come and press us and win the ball high up the pitch and they'd be on the counter and with the, the situation of Joe Gomez cutting inside and sometimes he'd, he'd, there was always Pedro Neto in behind on the switch Craig Dawson did it um, which led to that Matthias Cunha miss which is mm. absolutely outrageous by the way that is possibly the funniest thing that happened all it's game. the worst miss of the season so far um, but it, Liverpool just looked all over the place tactically um, but also there was no one who really just turned around and said give us the ball and just let me have it 
calm yourselves down, get into position. Um, and that that was what it was like for the first forty five minutes. I I probably I I think I sat there and thought to myself, this is actually potentially worse than what it was like last season here for me the only difference was they failed to put the ball in the back of the net more than once before half time yeah. we had a flurry right at the end where someone makes an unbelievable block from from oh, Michelle's shot yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it was, was a Dawson yeah, yeah. and then um, the keeper saved Sobersly's left footed shot and that was like okay but th- there's chances there you can clearly see we've found a way to unlock them uh, and then in the second half it was Liverpool went into second gear you just couldn't touch us at all um, and the way we recycled the ball the way we won it back up the pitch um, I will say and we'll probably get on to him but Konsa in that second in that first half was mm. my my best player he, mm-hmm. he just was especially in the defensive situation um, and in the second half you know when we had better lads around and they all rallied uh, shout out to to. Robertson, who took it personally in the second half and ran absolutely all over the place to to really get us uh, the three points there. So yeah, it was a contrasting to uh, half, um, absolutely shocking first half, but absolutely brilliant from Liverpool second. Half. Well, yeah, we'll come on to that, um, Dan. The it's just I think it's been mentioned by both the guys there the the, the, the the various different bits and pieces. Like Joe Gomez effectively playing in midfield. Mm-hmm. Look, there'll be games where it's not it's not the end of the world because I think he's a very he's a very composed footballer. He is good on the ball, but then when McAllister just look, McAllister looked like he like he was like he'd been playing in space thirty six hours earlier with you know needing oxygen just to live. Um, Sobazai was slow off the mark to everything around it, and again to Chloe's point, it felt like last season hmm. because there was no legs in that midfield at all. It all felt really slow and sluggish, and they all they were high tempo, they were high press, they were high energy, hmm. and we couldn't live with it. And I suppose that's almost the I think Klopp must have been looking at it going, oh God, Christ, not this again. But then again, to go to Chris's point, the beauty is we've actually got more lads this season. So we actually were able to affect a, a positive change really early and that's how the game changes for Liverpool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, But it was very reminiscent of Liverpool after a break and after an international break. It yeah. was almost like we were trying to prove Bjorn Klopp right by being so annoyed by putting us on at half 12 and playing absolute crap for 45 minutes because we were just miles off it. Like you're right, we were so sluggish, so off the pace and just there was no rhythm to what we were doing, disjointed, nothing seemed to work. I was absolutely adamant. I, I did a, a predicted lineup before the game, and I was certain we were going to go back to the four three three just because of the personnel. But we sort of hammering home the, the box and the fact we want our right back or indeed our left back to go in there. Obviously, it was never likely to be Simicast. You've got to go with Joe Gomez, and I agree with your point. He is comfortable on the ball, and he's got a lot of quality on the ball as well. We've seen him deliver really well from the right back when he's done that. But there's one thing: having quality and being composed, sort of in defensive situation, but doing it in midfield. There's a lot more bodies around you. Know, happens that little bit quicker that's with really the tempo difficult. that they were coming out of exactly well. and the lack of tempo that we had yes. Joe Gomez was never likely to be on the grab that game by the scruff of the neck in the midfield it's just not going to happen so it was kind of onto a loser whatever happened there but yeah Liverpool were miles off in 45 minutes but the fact we could change it and we got the personnel to do so is really important and I think it's important because we always sort of highlight with like Louis Diaz and Darwin Nunes how box office they are and just how they can have these mad moments to just impact games Diaz especially we're very sort of big on him just having these crazy things and being so skillful but those two between them Diaz particularly have come on and really changed the direction of travel of a football match there so we should give him a lot more credit for that because normally like I say he has these flashes of inspiration you go god he's boss at that but 
He's actually come on and grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck and changed everything about it for me, and that's really important. What was really good is that Liverpool didn't go into the shells, Chris. We actually, you know, it was a it's a really positive change to take McAllister off, and it's mad because we've had a couple of games now where people have gone, "Well, why is Endo not playing?" Because our understanding is that Liverpool's midfield was crap last season, so we needed like a, a ball winning midfielder. Well, actually, we took an even more defensive one off and ended up with a double pivot of two wingers in Sobersly and, and, and Kurt Jones put more attacking lads on the pitch and I suppose it was a bit like we'll just double down on the energy double down on what we're good at and I, th- I wonder whether there was a little bit of rope to open that as well where Wolves did come flying out but their their legs fell off after a while as well and then all of a sudden as I said well, for the vast majority of the second half up until probably their late changes Liverpool just bossed it we did I, I, the, the biggest sort of improvement for me and, and the guy who I probably thought was one of our worst players in the first half and one of our best in the second was Sobersly mm. I mean we talk about like McAllister and all that type of stuff yeah his legs were heavy but like Sobersly couldn't Sobersly in the first half when I was doing the watch on he was at 65% pass completion at one point during that half like everything he was passing was too short or wide on the mark and he was somebody flicks it and then he gets annoyed with himself and he, and he does it well and then he passes away and he goes oh. what are you doing like yeah. he was terrible yeah. and like it would have been so easy to sub him off or it would have been even easier for him to have just gone into his shell and yet he never he just took control of the game and him and Kurt Jones were absolutely superb the big thing for me was that like we pinned their wingers back mm. by having two wide players we made them think actually I've got to defend more than I've got to attack and keeping Joe Gomez in situ meant that Neto got nowhere near as much joy and he wasn't able to get as far forward because of us basically playing a pseudo 4 4 formation in the second half you know Harvey Elliott on that right hand side Diaz on that left hand side and Salah and whoever was up front with him for the, the period that you want to talk about obviously Nunes for the latter part of the game that changed absolutely everything for us and it gave us a platform to build on and then it was about Klopp's always said this you know when we won the when we won the league season it was like people know the press is coming but where the press is coming from and when is what is how we keep uh, you know, evolving, and it was Kurt Jones, and it was Sobersly from deep, joining the press of the forward players that was catching them off guard all the time, and we were winning that ball back, and then it was all about Diaz and those driving runs and beating a man, and you know, intricate play on the edge of the penalty area, and it was just night and day from the first half, but it all came down to the fact that after forty five minutes, Klopp had seen something, seen enough, and had an idea and a plan, and one player. And that one tactical tweak was able to win the game for us. And then obviously the lads who've been good for Liverpool over loads of years then had to step up and show the new boys what to do. The thing that he saw was Alexis McAllister in the fetal position desperately <laughs> trying to suck oxygen into his lungs, the poor little get. He, uh, there was a bit where the ball broke down and he ran back and you could see he had none. He had nothing. And this was like half an hour odd into the game. And you're like, yeah, you're done. You're absolutely done. Why, Chloe? Have you thought? I don't know if you've considered this, but I did wonder why he went with that. Yep. Like, why start McAllister? You know he's knackered. I get like Diaz and Nunes starting on the bench. So starting Gapo and Jota makes perfect sense. I'd have expected that. Um, that was what I I thought was going to happen. But to them to go with McAllister, what, what do you think is overall? What was he? What was he aiming for here? Because quite clearly, McAllister, it must have been obvious that he was goosed from minute one. Yeah, I, I think we were all shocked. Everyone, when the team news came out on the on the bus and everything, it was like we all expected McAllister not to play footy. And I don't know whether it's because they haven't seen enough of Otario Endo, whether he doesn't understand the system, whether you know we 
we saw it against uh, Aston Villa where he put McAllister at DM because he knew we wanted to control the game more and have, you know, a front-footed DM who could control it from there. Um, and maybe thought the same against Wolves. I don't know what data analysis has told him to put McAllister in that game of footy, uh, but I think all of us before kickoff could have told you that's too soon. Um, so there must have been some sort of science or someone in Jürgen's ear to say, yeah, he's okay to go. Whoever that was looks like an absolute idiot at half time after you've just seen what he did for 45. Um, but it, it did tell me something at the fact that Batario Endo didn't start the game because I expected, you know, I, I expected that sub to be made or uh, and Ryan Gravenberch was not the first thought in my mind because it was so soon first game you don't want to throw him in at the deep end we know Jürgen doesn't like doing that where with Taro Endo's had a, you know, a couple of 30 minute spells here and there he started against Newcastle you thought okay so maybe he does trust him a bit but I, I don't know why it was that they decided to go with McAllister I'm going to say that someone got the data wrong and accidentally it was someone else that they were looking I, at I, to be honest I can understand it I really could. I mean, I know the distance is crazy and stuff like that, but I think he, you know, if you'd have asked me to pick a side, McAllister was in it mm-hmm. because he's what he's been one of our best players. He does mm-hmm. control the ball. I think the big problem is that the first half didn't go how we expected it. Yeah, you know, if Liverpool are on the ball, then you, you know, heavy legs or not, he can he, he can make do. He can pass yeah. the ball around and all that. But he was running back all the time, and Liverpool were running back all the time, and so it just didn't end up being the game for me. The thing that also and like this, I don't think this comes into it, but a lot of people uh, in the away end was saying Jürgen Klopp just needs to stop talking about our 12 kickoffs because you're setting a mentality for those players to use it as an excuse you're telling everyone before the half 12 kickoff that Liverpool aren't up for this and you're setting and whether they believe it or not you're creating this kind of thing that everyone can bid into and use it as a slight excuse or maybe feel that half 12s actually are the thing, should the thing be. for me on this on the half 12 thing by the way because obviously given that I was with the broadcast company on the day there was mm-hmm. a lot of talk around it because yeah Klopp makes it a, makes it a huge deal. It certainly did last year, and he obviously bit James Pierce's head off in the yeah. pre-match press conference this week <laughs> over it. And the, the point is, I actually thought this was the the clearest example of what he's been talking about the whole time. And Alexis McAllister was like the poster child for it. Of like, as I say, when it was like two a.m. Wednesday morning, he was playing a game at altitudes, mm-hmm. and then he's playing at half twelve. So he get he gets into England probably Thursday, four a.m. Thursday. You said it was, you know, and then so there's not you're not. You're probably not training that day. They travel down. They travel down to Birmingham. I think I, I was told on the Friday. Whether I don't know if that's true or not. So he's not like he's not really had time to rest or train in, in the midst of that. And you could see there's a guy who, who, who played too much. Who, who'd overly exerted himself in, in the yeah. middle of it. But I, I I don't know what the answer is to that because okay. he Klopp has to talk about it because he needs to it to be a big deal. He wants people to be scared to put Liverpool at half, at half twelve now. Well, they're not they're doing it the, after the next international break. Of the, yeah, it's the like twelve. Of the next twelve we've played and Spurs have played six. That's the next highest. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. Like yeah. it's just criminal. It really is. And Klopp by playing McAllister might have been proving a further point because you're right. He was sort of the he would have been the least sort of favourable one to play given what he'd been through the altitude and all that I was wondering by the way the Wimbledon's altitude the way we were running around last week <laughs> but um, no I, I was surprised at McAllister personally I was and I take your point Chris and I think had the game gone the way it was because if Villa were better a couple of weeks ago if we hadn't been as good perhaps potentially is a better way of putting it maybe it might have been a similar circumstance because McAllister defensively I think we've all still got question marks about it I think we're not certain he is the answer at six certainly not in a game whereby you don't dictate possession I think we'll see him sort of 
done it or have a bit of a difficult time if that's the case let's put it that way but um, yeah I was shocked it was him I was because like I say he's, what he'd been through in the week just didn't make any sense to go with him at all there's a few comments on this uh, Abin Nash says uh, Klopp doesn't trust Endo as a start in number six yet uh, yesterday the other day uh, was ideal for this start and I, I think that's I think that's fair we were discussing this in the office earlier where we down of like it's a bit mad. That's mm. two games on the bounce now where you could have reasonably expected him to, to start. Um, it's too early to make a cast iron judgment on it, but it does feed into, for me anyway, that notion of he's been bought as a footballer. I don't, he's not necessarily been bought as a first 11. That being said, uh, I'm sure it's been mentioned in other comments, but it did take half a season for Fabinho to get up to speed, but then Fabinho was what, probably 24 yeah. at the time. What do you think? I don't think we've got half a season to play around with Endo, personally. He's not the, the long-term answer. So if you're not going to get him up to speed for the half of this season, it doesn't make any sense to me. That, 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 that doesn't mean We needed him to come in and be an immediate answer, an immediate sort of stopgap, because I think next year we're going to go out and buy the longer term answer yeah. so you haven't got that time to sit and wait on him you've got to use him when you need him and to me not necessarily the Aston Villa game because as I've proven in hindsight we didn't need him in that game but Saturday was the perfect opportunity to drop him in and go do you know what we know you've been away in international duty but the lad we'd like to play ideally is McAllister he's knackered it can't be him I don't care what the scientists say I don't care that he sat there telling me he's fine yeah. you've got to go and do a job for us and he didn't so you do have to raise eyebrows as to what exactly is going on there the end of thing just, uh, just to cancel a point that's it uh, Bamalam in the comments says Endo was also away in Japan jet lag is just as bad for him uh, he wasn't actually he, Japan's home game was actually played in, in Belgium during the uh, during the international break so he's played the games but he hasn't got like the the distance if that makes sense because no. that would have that w- I was I was wondering that as well to be honest and just one more from Alistair Meller here uh, on the topic says I don't understand Klopp's insistence in putting McAllister in the six surely Soberslai is the guy for this position for the time being um, Chris any thoughts on that? He's definitely got the skill set I mean his work rate and his tackling seems to be good I mean uh... There's obviously something that we don't understand, isn't there? Because I could look at both of them and tell you that they're both not sixes, to be honest, and and they're both better further forwards. Um, Well, it's one of those things where I think in the pure layman's terms, right now it feels like McAllister in the six at home and away from home, maybe not McAllister in the six, but sort of riffing off what Dan was saying there, the the questions have to be, be kind of asked about Endo is, is he good enough? Because sometimes you can bring a player in and you think they are, but when you bring them in and you see them in training, you think, well, actually, McAllister's better. Could it not just be as simple as that? Mm. That McAllister was better in the one training session Uh and then he's decided that McAllister's a better footballer than Endo and he kind of goes with it. Yeah, well, Klopp said that in the past, hasn't he? Because we go, Klopp's got his favourites. His favourites are the ones who work the hardest and are the best of footy, ultimately, in in every training session. You know, Mo Salah, I think it's like weird, like we think, oh, Mo Salah just in because it's Mo Salah. Mo Salah trains at that level every single every single time so you're right he does we think he's got these like oh these guys just get picked regardless yeah but because there's a merit that's end every single time they, they pull on a bib or whatever during the week um, Tarek uh, Satam here with the Super Chat says um, can you please discuss why the team doesn't show up with the same urgency in the first half what's stopping them to show dominance from the start it's, it, honestly it's dead simple they love a late winner <laughs> <laughs> Love it, and the yeah. fans prefer it that way as well. Yeah, it's just, there's a synergy between the team and the fans, really, isn't the club? Yeah, there's nothing sure. better. No, absolutely not. That Robert single went off again. Um, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. And also, like we are talking, Saturday talking about the team with the only one team's got a better defensive record in the league than Liverpool this season. 
Which is a bit mad, really, That's isn't hard it? That's like, believe that. It's yeah. fucking shocking, isn't it? Like, you know what I mean? Mm. We've only conceded four goals. I think City, three. I think there's another team on four goals that have conceded four as well. Like, Manchester United have conceded ten yeah, so far. Terrible. Like, I'm, I like, I think the thing is, we are conceding early doors. We don't seem to be switched on right at the beginning of games. We're making it difficult. But the, the difference between this season and last season is there is a belief rumbling under. You can feel it in the crowd. You can feel it in the players, yeah. the manager. There's now this... It just feels like we're onto something with this group of players, doesn't it? Yeah. And, like, it doesn't matter. I was saying this... I think it was maybe to stay at the weekend. Like, it's something you've, you've said for years, really, is, like... You know, Liverpool have been built to beat teams who park the bus, but you've got to beat the teams who are attacking us like this mm -hmm. so that they do start to park the bus. Mm, yeah. So actually, in the fullness of time, it might be better. Teams keep coming at us. We keep snotting them. And then ultimately, they go, right, well, we can't attack them like that anymore. We're going to have to sit back. We're going to have to play some defensive football. And then you might see the real Liverpool. No, absolutely. And look, we made a change and put and got rid of the lads who was, who was falling apart and put some more energy into the midfield. But again, putting Sobersley and Kerr, it's, it, it's kind of counter this idea that you need a hardcore, we needed a hardcore DM to stop that game from, from turning around. We just put two really competent, energetic, confident, ball-carrying footballers in the middle of the park and went, just all you're going to do is just sit, sit on the halfway line and when the ball breaks you'll pick it up and then put it back in keep it keep it moving keep it ticking over obviously Shabazzai did it in a bit more of a expansive way because I think that's the level he, he, he sort of at but like I thought Curtis was really good but he had, the, he had the players to be able to hit didn't he you know I mean first half Robertson wasn't getting forwards you think of that ball that goes over to Robertson is it and then maybe was he Diaz, who had the header off yeah, Robertson's cross, that, that ball wasn't on in the first half. Robertson or Joe Gomez weren't making those runs. And all of a sudden, you've got two players who have the ability to hit passes and spray the ball wide. And then you've got the willing runners. I mean, Robertson was just excellent. He was back to being that left-back yeah. that we've seen for years because he was given the licence to play that position. Yeah. The, the other thing was, was in the first half, no one was being direct. You'd you'd see Jota pick up a ball and he wouldn't, he wouldn't run out of defender. He was either waiting for the overlap or the ball just kept going back into the middle of the park Curtis Jones has free so many times there's a specific case where Joel Matip doesn't put a ball out wide too many in acres of space and it's because you didn't have the likes of Trent who could ping a ball like that and they were all a little bit too worried to risk it when Luis Diaz came on what he instantly did was I'm pinning you back yeah. he ran directly at them and made them scared they couldn't touch him because it could be a foul he was going into the penalty area he didn't know what way to go because he's so silky on his feet and that's what we didn't have in the first half in the first half it was either Curtis or, or Jota hugging the touchline and none of them were making the runs in behind none of them were when they had the ball taking a man on None of them. And the only it. times we did is where we looked dangerous, right towards yeah. the end of the yeah. half as well, was someone would make that little running, running behind. No, I, I agree with that. It's. Um, I just also thought, like, sorry, mate. Also, like, think back to last season. If we'd have had Trent and Virgil Van Dijk mission in mm. the form that we were in last yeah. season, we'd have got battered in that game. Last absolutely, season. regardless mullered, of whether they were not. By the way, yeah. we didn't have the mentality to come back exactly. last season. It wasn't there. Yeah. That would have been the same what happened there last year. We got absolutely twatted left, right and centre. Yeah, well, as it is, you then bring in lads on who were chomping at the bit to actually get on. You know, yeah. every single one of the lads that came onto the pitch was desperate to go out there and, and, yeah. and get on it. And that's evidenced by, mainly by Elliot's celebration, I, I think. Yeah. But it was, um, yeah, I mean, like I say the problem is, I think stylistically, first off, it was just, 
it was just off. Yeah. So no energy, and it goes back to what Klopp's kind of been saying. It's about it's about the press. It's about the energy. It's about having the levels to get up there and get in people's face and stop that stuff happening. And again, I, I just thought I felt a bit sorry for Gakpo because he's been messed around all season. He spends the first two games season playing in midfield. Now he's back in the nine, and he did he did a nothing. He, he didn't do his proper false nine bits because he wasn't getting deep and really getting on the ball and then turning it round and moving forward with it. He wasn't holding the ball up and then he wasn't then doing the number nine. So the only... He gets his goal because he behaves like a number nine. Salah gets the ball and he makes a beeline for the goal line and he's there to stick it away and it's a bit like... and But Nunes is doing that all day long. I just... And it was interesting. I'm only, I'm only parroting a, something that I heard in, in commentary really but I thought it was an interesting point of like Nunes is easy because you know what he's going to you know okay you don't know what he's going to do because he's nuts but you, he's a centre forward he's going to run on Gakpo was a bit disjointed I think from the whole from the whole thing but again the beauty is we, we put it right you know we, we can sit and go we didn't get it we, we got it wrong it was last season we were getting it wrong and losing this time we ended up winning we win comfortably ultimately because they had they had nothing the, from the second half onwards. The other difference is Gakpo. None of none of our lads could trap a ball a first time. None of them. Gakpo, him, him and Salah were trying to link up, and the balls were just getting intercepted every single time. Darwin Nunes came on and he just put his ass into the defender and said, "Nah, I'm, I'm just keeping this ball here." Yeah. And he did that time and time and time again. And he when he missed control, for, he went straight after exactly. it in his game. And he did it, and it's specific for Harvey Elliott's goal because he is the one who shields the lad off. Turns with the base, the pace, runs in behind, does a ball to Salah, which is, you know, I think it's a sound ball. Uh, Salah tries the first time, pass over to maybe Luis Diaz, doesn't work, but it was Nunes holding a man off and then doing him for pace and getting off and setting us away. And we didn't have any of that in the first half because no one could trap a ball, no one could pass it five yards, where in the second half you had a, a lad up top, he was the target man, but also could carry the ball and get him behind. You had Diaz going straight at people and then Salah who just has I mean his assist for Robertson is outrageous that, that, the way to pass the outside of the foot he's just ridiculous as well yeah well we'll talk about Mo in part two but Dan you know the goals you know particularly the the the, the, the turnaround goal as it were from, from Robbo yeah seeing him with the captain's armband you know mm-hmm. he has been a bit maligned I said on my post-match video that I've spoken quite a lot about how I'm just not sure where he fits into what Liverpool are doing but mm-hmm. Chris touched upon it earlier the senior lads really just went and grabbed the game ultimately and I, I, he doesn't score many uh, but he does seem to save them for uh, for big moments yeah he does yeah it turns out he fits in on the right side of the attacking eight doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> lung busting runs into the area no it's oh, Ian Robertson yeah it's a really, really well taken goal it really is and the way he opens his body up and Chloe's right sort of reference the weight of pass and, and the vision from Salah is just exquisite he's definitely in his playmaker era isn't he Mo it's just so good to watch he's not and he's not bothered it seems like he doesn't need the goal anymore he's quite happy just to set everybody His else celebration, up which, is, which he was it shows you doesn't mad. it yeah but yeah the goal's brilliant and made up for Robbo and you're right like, I was critical of him I was critical of him all summer in a roundabout way just because I wasn't sure what his season was going to look like anymore. I didn't know where he fit in. And Chris referenced it earlier about the fact he was able to do normal Andy Robertson type left back stuff in the second half. That's great for him because when he does that, we know he's brilliant at that. We know he's among the very elite and the best in the world at being a proper left back who gets forward. His delivery is outstanding. The few balls are putting on putting on the weekend from an advanced left back situation that were just out of the top drawer. He's so, so good. He really is. But when he has to tuck in and be a left-sided centre back, you go, mm, I'm not so sure. But yeah, made up for him 
massive moment and he just kind of found himself in that situation he kind of broke down didn't he thought oh I'm here now I may as well go for a little run and start to sky those ones as well which was helpful <laughs> exactly yeah. well he can't blaze that one into the crowd can he can't really get that because the wrong side of the boot yeah which is probably like I say worked out for the best but yeah great moment for him obviously like you say captain on the day um, and yeah he deserves it because he has come in for some criticism not necessarily always of his performances because performances he had a hard time at Chelsea but since that his performance has been pretty good but there does remain this question mark about what is he going to be but it turns out he's still just a proper boss footy player I just like the fact that you, you hinted at it Chris we go back to a back four and Gomez is a very good right back in a back four and I and I contend if we flip the inversion over to the other side and he was just playing how Ben White plays for Arsenal I think he'd be brilliant in that because he can do the flying full back stuff just as well as Andy Robertson could do he's great at crossing on the run as well but it did just give us it gave us it felt like we had balance back to the sides and it, it meant we could hurt them in, in, in any way basically yeah that balance is the, is the right way it is now obviously you, you play a back four everyone knows how to play a back four whether you're a centre back playing out of position at right back or whatever everybody knows everyone knew how the midfield was set up because everyone's always played 4-4-2 as they've grown up and then the forwards it was just about creating space it was about Diaz creating space for Robertson and, and, and stuff like that so the balance was there Robertson was absolutely superb on one side Gomez on the other Special mention, uh, you know, Chloe said it earlier, but Quanser and Matip I yeah, thought were brilliant. Mm-hmm. I think it was re- like, you know, I think it was likely that Quanser was always going to play the left side of the centre-backs, but p- putting in between the captain and a really experienced player in Joel Matip as well, and Robertson just talking him through the game and talking the entire defence through the game. Um, it, was a, it was a real captain's performance for him, but Quanser was fucking excellent as well, like just time and time again he steps up in those moments where I mean, it's hard not to draw comparisons to Virgil van Dijk because he's just dead calm yeah. nothing seems to phase him does he and hopefully he gets to a level that you know is any near how how good Virgil van Dijk is but what a start to a Liverpool career like I mean is that his first start yeah, yeah. away from home mm. in a game where you go behind you know you've got a non-traditional six ahead of you you know you've got no captain uh, no vice captain no captain no vice captain then, I mean, it's a hell of a thing to do what he did. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, let's do Elliot's celebration, Chloe. How did that feel? It was brilliant. It was. How close did I, you get to him? It's not. I think I'm like obviously. Yeah, he was there. Um, we were pretty. We were pretty Who's close. Taller? Not close enough. Me. Yeah, uh, just a bit. Um, I'm fuming that it's not being given as goal. From where I was, it obviously looked on target. It wasn't, apparently. Um, but yeah, it was Slide brilliant. Up. The release of, of the emotions. And it was it was boss, because it was just him and Curtis who got off into the cards and they'd all stood there like, what's... No, I've I, I just ran. Someone put the foot on the horse and like, was it is Canati on by that point? Maybe. Somebody like goes, I might do this and, and then, then go, no, I don't look at that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like the look at yeah, that. It, it was boss, people just falling forward. There's there's some bad photos of a couple of people in that away end. Um, but yeah, it's what it's all about. A, a lad who supported Liverpool all his life, getting the goal, sealing the three points. And by the way, it wasn't just his goal. He was brilliant when he came on the pitch. Yeah. The way he controlled the ball... There was times, and he, he was on the, the the near side to me, and he wins the ball back, and he, he goes to go back, and then just drops his shoulder and gets off, and we're all like, get on! And it's like, all he's done is drop the shoulder and got off, but because he's done a defender, and like you could just feel the build-up, you knew a, a second goal was coming. Um, we we loved it, and his passion is, he's one of us. Um, his finish, would have liked it to be on target, so it's actually his goal, but I, I'm giving but it I him anyway. I like anyway. Ben Salah's assist as well. 
well. That's yeah. the other yeah, reason yeah, for yeah. it, isn't it? Definitely. Elton John was in the crowd. Did yeah, you see him? Was, he enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. Elton John was doing great. Felt a picture. Everyone's going wild. There's a fellow who's the absolute spitting image of Elton John, just sat there smiling like he's happy, but he's just he's just he's spitting like. A few bits of me here, uh, quad bots and Harvey is one of us. And that was actually a point I was making. It was something that Alfie Brown brought up on Thursday Night Pint last season about how, you know, you've got him and Curtis and, you know, if you're, and obviously Trent, but, you know, if you're a young Scouse lad growing up, seeing young Scouse lads in the, who were born Liverpool fans in the team is just amazing. It feels like there's a genuine pathway there, even when you retired from footy, Chris. Um, <laughs> But Harvey Elliott is that for Liverpool fans who weren't born in the city of Liverpool. So, like, these two lads who just love the football club, it's their boyhood dreams to be in that team and doing it. And go, I'm, I've said it, said it on my video, Harvey Elliott gets it for me. I don't care if they, I don't care if they don't actually get him. I'm giving him that goal. He gets the celebration. He gets that moment. He gets to be with the fans. It's just, it's joyous stuff. You need things like that. I've said it for, for years, you should go round well fussy and just buy Liverpool fans. You know, we had it when Torres was there, you know, the old armband thing and all that. You know, Robbie Key, you know, I mean, he supported 15 different clubs, but, you know, there's there's something to that because you do get it. We joke about it all the time about these lads who, like local lads, who never really get better than the, like, the games they play for the Reds because you get more out of you when you're playing for the team that you're desperate to play for. Um, yeah, I thought they were great. Can and I Rachel's just... hard there, sorry, just saying uh, Harvey and Curtis came together. I mean... Yeah, Rachel. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know about <laughs> that. We certainly looked like he had a good time. time. <laughs> was that after? I didn't see that. It's <laughs> <laughs> a disappearing Snapchat, I think, that one might <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Stop saving. Speaking of those two, there's a couple of people who were fuming. Um, no, on social media, that is. I looked at some of the comments uh, on, on across the, the channel and people fuming at the fact that Harvey Elliott and Curtis Jones have got yellows telling me that they were going to cost us for <laughs> down the road and I was like lads if you can't understand like I am sounds I could I literally I laughed we all cheered when they got booked yeah. because what a way to get booked if you're going to get booked for anything make sure it's that no, oh yeah, yeah. well it's you know but it is the thing I think people live in this constant fear of like what might happen and every action you take might somehow lead to some negative repercussion down the line just living the lives just hmm. yeah. scored in Harvey Elliott's mind he's just scored the goal that's put a really stressful game of football to bed for the Reds obviously scored against them last season as well he's, he's you know he's on the periphery of the team he wants to go on and, and I bet like he was almost said go on there go, go make stuff happen for us so now he gets to go yeah look I made, I made that happen mm. for us there um, yeah no brilliant if he wants to run the crowd I mean the second he did it I, I, I will admit he go well that's just a yellow, just a yellow card that isn't it but it's because you're see, old yeah it's because yeah, you're old Paul. because I remember like funny enough I remember Ian Robin doing it was it against Sunderland <laughs> maybe and he, got, he went and stood on the board and that was one of the mm. first examples of like a player being booked for, for excessive celebration or whatever and then after that he made it a very oh that was in the first one after they made it afterwards as well, I would much rather them get booked for that than taking their shirt off yeah yeah. as they run to yeah. the corner flag yeah. oh yeah, I mean, yeah yeah like if you're gonna do something fucking at least Go enjoy it with in, the like, fans yeah. keep your shirt you know on what I mean? yeah. keep your shirt on and fucking do that like <laughs> that, that taking the shirt off pisses me off because that's just stupid like, why why did you do that apart from the, the it's led to the stat that Mo Salah's been yeah. booked for yeah. taking yeah. the shirt yeah. off more times than the United have scored also, against us he just wants to flex his body yeah. now you don't so. get many messages on a vest these days, do you? That used to be the old thing. You used to get like oh some, my God, yeah. some kind words on a vest for somebody. You don't see that anymore. Yeah. Bring it back. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But Elias Boss, and I just want to say as well on him, um, he's done that, you just said there, so go out there and make something happen. He's done that a lot this season like almost every game and he must be desperate to get a star hopefully he does in the Europa League and we're going to come on to it a little bit later but if any lads who has been on the periphery of our squad this season deserves a star it's Harvey Elliott like he's been superb every time he's been called upon that was another example of it I do think that goes back to one of the reasons why we're in no rush to move McAllister out to the six by the way it's because we've got all of a sudden now that there's a lot of lads fit and fresh we've got lots of lads who can do some really interesting things from the eight positions or wide attack and midfielder positions if we if we switch to that formation again. So, yeah, good. The good, balance of the midfield against Villa was the best it's been all season mm. and I think it was because Kurt Jones was playing there along yeah. with Sobersly and McAllister. So, you know, if, that, if, if you are going back to the, the first point, I suppose, that started all this off earlier on is that like if you see that as Jürgen Klopp why wouldn't you just pick the same midfield again yeah <laughs> absolutely the role of Jones is fascinating to me because he's doing a very uncomplicated job and he's doing it very well but he is such a, a flamboyant flair type player that he must he's almost going against his natural instincts in this and he's going because I've got Sobersly who's just boss and his levels above him what he can do and how creative he can be and McAllister in there he's almost having to rein himself in he's doing it brilliant like I say but every fibre of his being must be going oh I can do a little bit of that and a little bit of that but he's not he's keeping it very simple and there will be moments and there'll be times I'm sure in games whereby he'll produce something you think wow he's got that in his locker but that's a really good thing it's a real positive as well I like seeing like the camaraderie between him and Sobersly on the pitch like laughing and joking and hands on Shoulders and you know, and after moments in the game, like talking to each other, because that'll be part of that. Because there's something to this Sobers lie, and he's you know they're the same age, aren't they? But Sobers lie is just seemingly further along in his career. And look, only in an international sense, you know, captain of his country and all. I'm sure Curtis Jones will probably look at these, you know, his Champions League appearances and all that kind of stuff, and it won't feel miles behind him, but. He's a new lad coming in and Kurt is playing a bit of like, this is my team, you're coming into my team, I'll make sure that I temper what I'm doing. But that's maturity. The one thing that everyone used to criticise Jones for was not quite being mature enough in, in, in his game. So his opportunities will come. I mean, we haven't seen those moments like we did last season where he's the ball's dropping to him inside the 18-yard box and he's finishing stuff off. But um, he, we know he can do it. That the, mm-hmm. his, his time will come at the moment. We should just be glad that we've got a bunch of lads who are all 
seemingly really enjoying the football, having a great time and impacting football matches. Um, Chris, one thing I, I said again on a post-match video was I had real Villa away 2019 vibes from this one. Is that but, the one where Robbo scores? That's right? the one where Robbo scored. Robbo and Mane scored at Villa Park, and it's far too early for that. And again, you know, that was a, I was that was months into the season, and we were we helped us maintain a healthy gap over City at the time. But if Liverpool. I, I, I don't, I don't feel any sense of pressure on Liverpool's season, really, at the moment. I'm very much convinced that it's Man City's title and it'll be Man City's title to lose. There's lots of other clubs having really good time, Spurs in particular. We'll talk about them on Bias podcast in a bit. But you've just got to keep it going. And something about Robertson cropping up in a game in the Midlands where you've got a goal down and you look at a bit crap and then someone who doesn't normally score digging out for you. I don't know if we'll be talking about this game in months to come, but you know we've got the option to because we won it. Yeah, absolutely. There's a togetherness to the entire squad. I think at the moment, and you know, I saw I saw players on the, on whatever they call inside Anfield when it's away from home, and they're all like inside Molyneux. They're all like. You know, going up to McAllister at half time and, you know, putting an arm around him or a little tap on the shoulder and all this type of stuff. And that that's the type of thing that's coming across in the performances, isn't it? They're all in it together. Shout out to Dom Sobber, aside from that inside Anfield or whatever it's called, by the way. It's a uh, uh, everyone turns <laughs> up. I think you just call it inside. Okay. Anyway, um, everyone turns <laughs> up in trackies, apart from Dom Sobersly, who turns up in shorts. And, you know, My big guy. fucking Bluetooth headset, wired, white, Apple fucking uh, headphones, wires. I mean, talk about a fucking legend. You know what I mean? None of this fucking Bluetooth shit. He's probably a COVID conspiracy theorist or something like that, you know what I mean? It's like some, some kind of Bluetooth's going to kill you oh, yeah, type yeah, of shit. Yeah, but I just love the fact, that I'm, and I'm joking, by the way, if you want to do COVID, whatever, sounds, it's fine. Um Headphones, wired, absolutely brilliant. Completely lost my tail of thought now. Um, he's got a good choice. He's got, maybe he's thrifty. It's like these work perfectly fine. Yeah, came with the iPhone. It's harder to lose one because it's wired to the other one. It's like mittens. Um, brilliant. Right, okay. Can we move on? Yeah. Excellent. What we do move on now? I don't know what's just happened. Didn't know where he was going. Um, fair play to the Wolves fans because they sang a round of poverty chants, which was, uh, you know, just like a staple. Um, but then approximately like two minutes before we got our first, they started to sing God Save the King to us all. Uh, and then from that moment on, it went all downhill and they started leaving the ground pretty soon after. Yeah. Um, but that, that was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, look, all the credit in the world to, to Gary O'Neill and Wolves. You know, I, I, there's a little thing where they had two weeks there to get ready for this. Mm. And that was probably the worst time to play Wolves in this run of games. There might come a time where they're more solid and he's got his ideas across late in the season where they'll be more of a threat. But like, you know, what is it? First game of the season and then that's probably the two best showings they've put in where he, you know, they've had a little bit of something in the, in the, in the build up to it to come out on top of that, you know, good atmosphere in the ground, you know, high energy, high tempo team Liverpool could have been blown away. Um, credit to them and credit to Wolves and yeah, ultimately three points to them which is the most important thing and <laughs> you know, the thing about the 12.30 kick off of course is that like we now get an extra day's break which is great mm. uh, going into going into the next game so if you can get over these hurdles then it, you do reap the benefits on the other side of things don't you yeah. the other benefit was for a little second there we were top of the league um, mm. and it was great for those 
maybe yeah. our. I was doing the fan interactive, and I went to go to the league t- uh, the league table, and Man City kicked off, and the fucking website had given them a point. So <laughs> I went, I'm uh, on the top of the fucking uh, seconds. Damn it, Man City! I thought <laughs> bastards. This is it again. We're five games into the season now. So far, so good. Miles better than we were a year ago. Um, it's nice, you know. I, I, I'm going to talk about Spurs and Ange Postecoglou and all that kind of stuff on the on the Bias podcast. It's just, it's nice to enjoy it again. Yep. It's nice to actually go into a game of football. I must admit, I was a bit trepidatious at times. You, you go down and you're just thinking, oh god, you know, I hope this isn't going to be more like the other one because this was the game. You know, Brighton is a big game of football. Tottenham is going to be a big game of football. You know, there's, there's big teams we're going to have to come up against. This was the one where you take your eyes off the prize. This is the one where you'd expect to just come and steamroll these because of all the problems they've had. So, uh, yeah, to ride it and come out the other side on top. Yeah, boss. Absolutely boss. Uh, right, more to come from us in part two. We're going to be chatting around Mo Salah's performance and um, whether we're seeing an evolution in his game for the Reds and a little bit on Lask as well as Liverpool return to the Europa League on Thursday in a bit. Hey guys, how would you like to get your hands on this? A signed shirt. Yes, it's a Ian Rush signed Candy Liverpool Retro shirt. What an absolute amazing prize this is. Liverpool's greatest ever goal scorer has signed it for us. And we're going to give it away to one of you lucky people to enter that competition. It couldn't be simpler. Simply become a Red Men Plus Legend subscriber. Yes, head on over to redmenplus.com. Sign up as a legend either on a monthly or yearly subscription. You'll get access to all the amazing content as everybody does but you'll also get some added perks including access to the discord and entry into each of these monthly competitions last month we gave away a shirt signed by Costa Simicas this month we're given a shirt signed by Ian Rush so yes redmenplus.com become a legend and get in the draw to win a brilliant prize that any Liverpool fan would want in their lives And Chris is back. Easy. Baby. The, the couch is... You, can, you, can you... Yep. There we go. I um, might have jumped into the seat. You nearly went through the wall. Um, I've just done myself an injury. That, yeah, definitely. Just just to put an exclamation point on your football retirement. Um, What's well, as long as the one at the side of the motorway? Mm. Definitely not that long. That was crazy long, that one. Yep. Um, right, let's talk about Salah. Um, <clears throat> yes. Chris, I... I you right? can, can you breathe? Yeah. Cool. Salah, six goal contributions in five games so far. Mm. Um, more assists than goals, four to two. If Harvey Elliott's one hadn't deflected, it would have been five to two. Do we think we're seeing, um, I've got a maturation of his game, but you know, a, a, an alteration is just, is, is this him becoming more mature? Is it tactical? Is it just circumstantial? What do you think? I think it's all... It's difficult to say right now, isn't it? We're only a few games into the season, but it does feel like he's relishing this sort of role as a creator as well as, you know, he wants to get goals. I've got no doubt about that. Um, but he might be looking at other records that he hasn't got, like the Premier League assist record. I think it's 20 or something, isn't it? Um, you know, that looking pretty tasty for him right now and stuff like that I think he's just a consummate professional to be honest and he will just do whatever's needed for the team I think it was always overplayed that like you know he's ball greedy and all that type of stuff there are situations where he's still greedy and he's a creator mm-hmm. you know like there are times when he's just going to get his head down and try and dribble past because him beating a man means that we've got a much better chance of scoring a goal after the fact but what I will say is I definitely feel like his passing in the final third has improved. Cause we mentioned it earlier, that ball for Andy Robertson is like, 
it's messy level shit. Like, you know, you just don't expect that from Mo Salah. Um, and yet we should do because he's got that skill set and he's always had that skill set. Yeah, yeah. It's um I, I think we saw a little bit of this last season, Chloe, at the start, where we were wondering like what's what are they doing with Salah? Like he was playing very far wide on the right. Obviously, we were trying to get Nunes into the team and it didn't seem to make a great deal of sense we know what a wonderful creator he's been if he's not our top top assistant he's our second top assistant most seasons um but i do wonder whether there's just something here where he's just got lads around him like to be to be fair to bobby Firmino, bobby Firmino existed to make things work for other people whereas now all of a sudden you've got our nunez there who he likes and he wants to get on the board and he's got other people around him and, and it's almost like He's decided to play a bit more of a, I mean, elder statesman of thirty-one is probably a bit of a, a bit of an exaggeration, but it does feel as though he's, I don't know, like he's enjoying his role at the club of not being the guy who has to score the goal, otherwise Liverpool aren't going to win the football match anymore. Yeah, I, I think he's just realised that where like you mentioned Bobby Firmino was the one who sacrificed himself further up the pitch the the lads who he's got around him now they're running him behind they're trying to help him they're in the same spaces we've saw the link up play so far with Darwin Nunes and him for the, the start of the season and I've really enjoyed it um, them understanding each other is, is massive you've obviously had Luis Diaz there who's, who's now getting back into it after a big injury and I think Mo Salah's just realised that if there's a better option I'm going to do that because A, I back them, but B, I still get headlines. I am still the main man. Look, Robertson, we're all sat here talking about a great finish, like he's a left back, but we're all talking about the pass. We're talking yeah. about the skill set of Mo Salah still. And uh, you could see, I, I never want to understate how massive Mo Salah celebrated after that Andy Robertson goal because he knew, he just wanted to win. He knew that Liverpool winning was the most important thing. And... I don't want to put a downer on it, but if this is his last season at Liverpool Football Club, he wants to go out with a bang. He wants to get headlines. He wants to break records. He wants to win silverware. And to do that, he still needs to be incredible. And he is being incredible. It's just, it's not on him all the time to constantly score in finding. And and first of all, in that first half, he, he got had off by their left back, by Ait Nori. Ait Nori did really good against them in 1v1s. He couldn't get past the lad. And then, in the second half with the on runners and, and making pushing their defence back he got more space he ran in behind a bit more and he used the players in and around him um, so yeah I think it is just it's him being a little bit more mature realising that it's not always on him we've brought in players with goal scorers Diogo Jota I think we all think of as you know the best finisher out of all of the, the strikers that we we have um, he knows it's not the Salah Mane Firmino show anymore um, it very much is just get us the three points we're not that same team we don't play that same way um, we're still adjusting to new systems and Mo Salah will still get you <laughs> 30 goals plus this season he just will because he's Mo Salah um, but his creativity is incredible and, and underrated as well there is something I wonder Dan that Erling Haaland's just going to win the Golden Boot, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's, you know, almost like it takes a bit of the pressure off. You know, let's just let's just let's just have every let's if we can't get the top goal scorer, let's have like second, third, and fourth. And you know what? Let's top the assist. You know, find some way for Salah to really feel like he's he's contributing. And maybe that's ah, that's that's me. That's not. I'm not saying that's necessarily mm-hmm. how he thinks. Of course, but I think there is there is certainly that to con- to contend with. He could score thirty goals this season and get nowhere near the Golden Boots. So you might as well. 
put all your efforts into making sure that Liverpool just get the games won, no matter how. Yeah, that's always been his top player, obviously, hasn't it? I think the goals have always kind of come with it, but his goals were so integral to us winning football matches previously. Certainly from the minute he came in, really, he was the main man. Sadio Mane, very, very impressive goal record on the other side. But for me, it is, it is a personnel thing more than anything. I think there's definitely an element of Salah's matured in his game, his appreciation of what's going on around him and his use of the ball and that type of thing has definitely developed since he's been at Liverpool. There's no two ways about that. But for me, it's the fact that as brilliant as Bobby Firmino was, he's not there anymore. So he knows he's not going to receive. And I think Gakpo's done a pretty good imitation of what Firmino does and can offer, but he's not Firmino yet. So Salah's not going to be getting the same level of opportunities that Firmino was able to produce for him. So I think it's just a case of he's got Nunes. Nunes is going to be breaking the neck to get in the box, in around the six-yard box. We've seen glimpses of it last year, the Real Madrid goal, for instance, where Salah finds Nunes and Nunes flicked it, that type of thing. Salah knows now he's got those lads, Jota, Chloe mentions, Diaz even at the back post against Chelsea, we see in that and we see Nunes running behind against Newcastle twice for Salah to assist so I think it's a very much a personnel thing I think Salah he might have kind of taken a step back from his wanting to score wanting to score type mindset but he will get his goals his goals will come there's no two ways about that because he's just a goal machine but it turns out he's just a winning machine and he's just absolutely desperate to win and like I say the fact that Manny's not there now helping him out on the other side we might not get the top goal scorer this season but if we can en masse I think your prediction Chris was to get 100 goals in the Premier League this year if we could en masse produce that who knows what we're able to achieve and Salah whether it's with 35 goals or 20 odd assists he will be an absolutely key part in us doing that and Seeing the way he plays now, it's just a joy to watch because the fact he's able to sort of be a bit calm in possession. Because every time he got it, I remember watching him getting quite frustrated. He's run down blind alleys. Yeah. But he's capable of doing like he did against City or Watford. He's capable of that, of course he is. But now he doesn't need to do that anymore. He can take a step back and just find these runners like he did with Robbo. And it's just so, so good to watch. He's so good. I mean, it's not like, again, it just gets so underrated, his, cre- his creativity, because the goals are things people talk about that get, mm. gets remembered. But like, look at the passes he's playing. And they're not the only ones. You know, I've seen you know, the outside of the boot pass is ridiculous. There's, yeah, there's, but the one to Manny against Watford sorry yeah. to bring that up that's yeah. an outside yeah. the boot beauty that was exactly one so he's, he's got that in there and there must be a little point where he's kind of like I feel like someone sat down and had a bit of like a, you know you have a calm conversation with someone and you really get through to them and you're like wow, wow I've, really, I've really got this it's like mate you don't have to run <laughs> you can just pass it to someone and they'll score and you get to celebrate and Liverpool get to win you, you're going to get your goals you're going to get that headline moments but it's loads less tiring <laughs> just standing there and kicking it to someone else when they're doing the running than you having to try and dribble past seven players. It, it feels, and I'm joking obviously, but it feels a bit like this, the post-AFCON Salah. Like every time he goes away with Egypt to major tournaments, he's the best player. So it's all on him. And I feel like sometimes it takes us a little while to get him back out of that mindset. And we're going to have to because he's not got the pace anymore. He isn't the fastest player on the pitch. Most teams have now got fast fullbacks. You know, he's not going to come up against, you know, Dan Byrne every week, is he? You know what I mean? And, 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 and be able to be able to sort of roast him. So he's going to need to change his games in his 30s now. It'll, 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 It'll add longevity to him as well. I just, I guess, I mean, the beauty is, is that that he's good enough to do that because we've seen fast players. You lose the pace, and that's you. Whereas, I mean, he could, he could be this Salah. He could do five years of being this Salah. 
Yeah, it's also teams play against him, isn't it, as well? I think, you know, early doors, we used to see a lot of teams play two players against them, a midfielder would drop in, a full-back. I don't think we're quite seeing that as much anymore because I don't think teams fear him in quite the same way. Wolves certainly started that way. They put a lot, they had a lot of bodies on him from the early, but yeah, they put a con carry on. But then later on in the game, I think think they got quite comfortable just leaving Nori there and going, you know what, if you're going to beat him, beat him because... Even then, you're outside of the penalty area. You're still going to have to beat other players and stuff like that. But it's having that understanding that I don't need to beat my man every time. I can I can use the ball. I can let that do the work. Um, and if people do tend to bring two players over to me, then there's space somewhere else for somebody else. And that's the cleverness of the experience of, of being a little bit older and having all those games under your belt and just knowing what's around you and what that means in the context of the football match. Yeah, um, four here in the comments. Uh, uh, outside of the booth for Mane, second versus Bayern. There's another great yeah, example. True, yeah. Yeah. Just on that, Chris, you said there's the opposition doubling up on him. Do you think... Do you think opposition managers can afford to do that now? Because obviously we've always been a very good side on the Club. Of course we have. But when you look at our midfield now and the attacking weapons we've got from there, can you afford to leave Dom Soberslai on his own? You know, previously it might have been Henderson. As good as Henderson was, he didn't have the weapons of Dom Soberslai, did he? So I don't think you can double up on Mohamed Salah too much anymore. I don't think that's an option because if you go over there, you might be leaving, like say, Gakpo, Jota, Nunes, Diaz, leaving them open or Soberslai, Curtis Jones, McAllister. It's just never ending. So you can't, Salah was so much the main man, he was such a threat, and he still is, of course. But you could afford to go over two on him because you knew you might be leaving the Henderson a little bit of space. And it's it's a thing, but it's not a thing. But now it's like, I can't leave him on his own because he could do anything. Well, it's mm. different when you've then got to get the ball over to Mane where, the, where maybe they've left it a little bit threadbare and you just move over, don't you? By the time exactly. the ball's got to Mane, you've, you've, you've reset. Whereas if you just got to play a five-yard pass inside to Soberslai or Elliot, who's now completely unmarked because mm. that guy's got over to press Salah, I, I think it's a problem. I've yeah. also seen them double up on Diaz quite a lot since he's been at Liverpool, which has left you know Salah more free, and maybe they are a bit more worried about Diaz now when they come up against him, just because he loves to cut inside and he, he's got the finesse, he can do it on both feet. Where Salah, I always think when he gets the ball, yeah, left foot. Even the assist the other day, it was the outside of his left foot. He's so heavily left footed. Where Luis Diaz, he's got the skill where he's you know cuts back on different feet all the time um, and I've seen him be doubled up against so maybe maybe it is a change in there mm, I think sure. the thing for me is if, if I was like looking at Liverpool or you know and our manager was looking at Liverpool Football Club I go well, how did he beat you in the past Will Salah right well listen you're going to have to beat us without Salah mm. it's as simple as that he's your best player he gets all your goals I'm going to make the others work for it I think now there's a little bit more where it's spread a little bit more evenly across the team it's like what is Liverpool's best way of winning football matches I don't think we know that this season so far I think it might end up that it's Dunes over the course of the full season or whatever Manchester United is probably an easy example don't let Rashford beat me beat me and then they haven't really got the players anywhere else who could step up certainly last season yeah Okay, well, it's an easy decision for someone who's game planning it, isn't it? You know what I mean? Just take their best player away and force the shitter players to step up. Now, you want those shitter players to step up. And, you know, I'm not saying Liverpool's players are shit here. It's it's a way of me just sort of saying, like, Dom Soberslice stepped up already and scored a goal. Harvey Elliott stepped up and scored a winner. Robertson stepped up. Liverpool have got the players to step up. Now, you've just got to trust those players as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, we talk about the the, the short blanket thing. If you're overcommitted, 
men in one particular area. It's going to leave you threadbare. It's about being smart and capitalising on that. And as you say, having the lads in the right place at the right time. And let's be honest, it's just this is one of the parts of the evolution of this side. The Sobers like Henderson one is 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 a prime example of that. Jordan Henderson wasn't a great goal scorer for Liverpool, popped up with some important ones every now and again, but we remember his goal against Chelsea vividly because that wasn't an archetypal Jordan Henderson goal. Um, if Soberslay can get can get like up close to 10 this season, then that's a significant improvement and it means, yeah, we are, it's, that's us fighting back that's us going, okay, well, you've got to shut this down. Well, how's about this? Now, what are you going to do? And that was the beauty of the front three. When the front three really clicked, it was an old it was an old Bobby the Brain Heenanism, but if like, the left one don't get you, then the right one will. But the left one don't get you, the right one don't get you, the middle one will. And then when we had a Jota, it was like, well, if any one of them gets tired, then we're going to bring Jota on and he's going to get you. And now it's like, we've got six lads for the attack. We've got like four or five lads who can play in the attacking midfield positions who were all capable of scoring goals for us. Pick your poison, fill your boots lads because they're probably going to score against you it's as simple as that um, just out of interest obviously very early doors but in terms of combined goals and assists so far this season Erling Haaland's on 8 7 goals and 1 assist but second highest in the league in the Premier League so far is Mo Salah with his 2 and 4 um, Julian Alvarez and James Ward-Prowse fully enough for behind him on, on 5 Um just a slight mention for Julian Alvarez, who's absolutely ridiculously good at football. Yeah. I really mm-hmm. wish he wasn't. Can you have a little look for like most chances created and stuff as well? I mean, okay, I'll have a little look for most chances. Be my guest. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, um, I, I'm just I'm just thrilled by it because it reminds me a bit Dan, of when we had a couple of different eras of Gerrard as, as a Liverpool player. But whenever one or two really good lads have come in, because we had plenty of times where Gerard played with some real dross, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Well, I've got to go and win this game because no one else is good enough to win it for us." But I remember, like, when we, it was the, it was 2007 ish when we first signed Bellamy, and yeah. we played like a European game, and like Bellamy just took the ball off him and scored, and you can see Gerard being like, oh, wow, "This is class." The Torres, the couple of seasons with Torres where they both got loads of goals. When you've got other lads around you, you can trust to win the game for you. Or moreover, I think in Nunes, who you really want yeah. to go and win the game for you. That's the beauty for Salah, is that he gets to let go. He gets to delegate winning the football matches a little bit more because you can trust the other lads to do it for Oh, him. 100%, yeah. It looks like he's giving him a new lease of life, to be honest, doesn't it? And we all know, we've all seen, because he's literally tweeted about it, how personally he's taken our downward times since he's been at Liverpool. Like, he's taking it very much on his own shoulders, almost like he's taking responsibility for our downturn in form. And you think, you've still been boss 99% of the time. Like, as a side, we're struggling, but you are one of the few, probably him and Alison signed last year, who could really hold their heads up and say, I'm doing my job, what's going on? But Salah didn't really take that attitude. It would have been easy for him to go, well, I'm doing mine. Like, you you lot sort yourself out. Yeah, well, he wasn't. He was like, come on, let's do this together. <laughs> so Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, but he was very much the opposite of that. He was like, no, I'm going to take full responsibility. It's up to me to sort this out. Etc. Etc. And now all of a sudden, you know, some of the lads that, for whatever reason, a whole plethora, plethora of reasons, different, different. Um, now they've all gone. Those lads who weren't wasn't happening for. And he's got these new lads who think, God, here we go. He's probably thinking twenty. He's probably twenty five again. He's just joined. Like Klopp's talk about two point zero Liverpool, and he's so refreshed and being invigorated by what's going on. Salah's in the same boat, and you can tell it's brought a whole new Mohamed Salah to the table, and it's one that we just love to watch. Yeah, Chris found it uh, brilliant work, Mr. Pager. Big chances created. So- so far this season, top rank Mo Salah six. Did you know that? No. 
Did you not? Okay. The second highest is Bruno Fernandes, who's only created four. Musa Diaby, four. Pedro Neto, four. Uh, and Amadou Onana, four as well underneath that. So Salah running away with it. <laughs> Onana. Onana. To be fair, more payments about six one on ones in that. Uh, I think yeah, it was the. I really thought you were just teeing up the what's, what's his, his name thing. Okay, yeah. fair. Oh no, yeah. no, no. <laughs> left hand week one. Yeah, it'll be back. It'll be back. <laughs> it'll be back. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, cool. Lask then Thursday. Um, I um, I'm enthusiastic about this. I'm, I'm, I'm going, which is which helps. Um, I really could do with us putting a little bit I thought of you said last lask <laughs> right okay la 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 lask um i could really do with us putting a bit of a marker down here um chris i think we'll I, how would you approach it because Kids, we mate, have, i'm all 11 honestly, 11 changes no, no not 11 changes i think you know harvey elliott and kurt jones maybe kurt jones i'm not 100 percent sure on that one endo is going to come in there oh i actually maybe i'm thinking about 11 changes yeah it's all the like graven birch probably trying to get him into yeah. this side i'll tell you what let's do it let's do 11 changes what does that look like <laughs> and then let's wait maybe work our way back I, if, he, if he is right do you yeah. that's how you do 11 changes with a right back I don't see how you do it other than that, that that's why I ask because okay. um, I think there's only really Joe Gomez you can play right back for us at the Stefan moment yeah. unless you want to mm. talk about Stefan Bacetic there mm. um, get, that gets him some minutes it, yeah. it will definitely well. get him some minutes so, and we'll find out whether that's uh, something the cop wants to do because right now it's just ideas that people have had isn't it Kelleher. Costas, mm-hmm. Bajetic. Costas. Let's go back. Kelleher, okay, Kelleher in goal. Let's say we're going to stick with the box midfield. Mm-hmm. We're saying Costas does it from the left. Yeah. Inverted left. So then, I mean... I absolutely would not do that. I can't see Kwanzaa not playing this game. But Kwanzaa would therefore... Makes you not eleven changes. Could Quanta then play? I mean, I think when you're playing, play I think if you play with that. eleven changes, you don't play the docks. Okay. I think that's crazy. Let's go four three three. Okay, okay, well, okay. Then I give don't me think a... there is going to be eleven changes. I don't think, so, I don't think any of us. I don't think, think it's possible. No, I don't. No, I, I think I think because of you. You're right. Because of. We weren't at our full strength because of Van Dijk. Because Quantz yeah. has played, yeah. he Canate would be the, well. exactly. I think. I think. I think Quanta, If Canati had been fit, Quanta would come in. And that would add, that would add to the tally. Whereas technically, you're keeping you you're keeping one, aren't you, from the weekend if he if he starts. But broadly speaking, you could do if you're gonna do if you're gonna go wild changes because we did it in preseason with Simicast doing the inversion. It was Simicast, Quanta, Matip. Uh, Bradley, yeah, um, which could be Bacetic potentially, yeah, or it could be. This is no one else. It's Gomez. Yeah, Gomez, midfield. Endo. Then any reason why Endo wouldn't start at the end? Well, Endo, Gravenberch, and Elliot probably as your three midfielders. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Doke. Uh, Doke on the right. Yeah. I'd probably give Gakpo another go. Because I would be thinking of Nunes for the weekend. Yeah. Okay. And left hand side, Diaz or Jota. Once again, I'd rather Diaz start in the Prem game and therefore. Yeah, I'd go Jota for this. I'd go Jota. Yeah, that's interesting. So Jota, so you, so hang on, so Jota technically Jota, <laughs> Gakpo, Quanta, Gomez, Matip, staying the same from the weekend. Yeah, that's yeah. five. So that's six. That would be six changes mm-hmm. to make for the Europa. It actually doesn't feel 
But I don't think they well. start the West Ham game. Yeah, I'm not sure any of them start the West Ham game. Gakpo might be the only one who's a candidate out of them, really, unless Trent isn't fit again, of course. Mm. Would you risk? Would you put Trent back in for this one? No. no. What about Van Dijk? <laughs> no. The, the, thing, the Van Dijk thing is an interesting yeah, one because he needs minutes, doesn't he? I know he played for Holland during the international break, so he's had some minutes, but do we need to get him back up and running for Liverpool? Possibly. I think we might. Maybe an hour. Do you give him an hour? And then mm. take him off from that point potentially. Karate is another one. I, I, I mean, I'd be keeping him wrapped in cotton wool. I mean, it was so he's just so much better than everyone else, isn't he? You know? Yeah, it's it it's it's a it's a balancing act there because you play massive twice in a week. The likelihood that he then gets injured. Yeah. So it's like, well, hang on a minute, what do we do here? You know what I mean? I want to I want to wrap Karate in cotton wool, but equally, I know that it's a bad thing if I play massive twice in a week. I would have Van Dyke start. I would have. Um, Tim McCash on the left I would play Joe Gomez on the right hand side personally just do a normal four and just a, j- just normal back for it um, at the, the midfield I think Endo Gravenberch and Elliot makes perfect sense to me mm-hmm. and pick yeah. three players like I'm not like Doak I'd love to see I'm not sure he will I hope he does I really do but I, also like has he had any minutes in the Prem? He came off the bench didn't he against Chelsea. He came off the Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't suit him at all. <laughs> but he did come off the bench. Yeah, so, so you think Salah? No. I try and do something different on the right. Yeah, Diaz. Yeah, I just don't know what that looks like. No, I know it's mad, that. but like we did start Elliot there uh, against Rangers. Well, that was his position, wasn't it? Previously. By the way, when you said would I start Salah, then all I said was I don't think I'd start Doak. To me, I, I don't think Klopp will. But that That's immediately says it has to be Salah. For me, it's it's Salah yeah. or Doke on the right. Elliot is one, but then if you want Elliot in the midfield, that obviously doesn't work either. So. I mean, without seeing the scout you could report. quite easily put Elliot there. Mm. Yeah, quite I, easy. And keep Elliot who there. in the midfield then? Bajetis is one of the eight percent. Do that possibly. Yeah. Mm. That makes 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 a lot of sense. Yeah. You keep Sobersley in. Yeah, I mean he's played the only. There's only three players you played every minute for us so far. It's Allison, Robertson, and Sobersley. Which makes you think we'll avoid them at all costs on Thursday. Maybe. Um, I again. It depends. We don't know how how what level these are really at, and this will be a, a decent marker for it. And then you've got to go out and put three point away from home. You just got to go and put a strong foot forward. You can't afford like the Wolves game. You can't really afford to slip up in this kind of environment. You want to keep the good vibes going. So part of me's going. I think it'll be a much stronger team than I think most of us have because we all show this like casual disregard for the Europa League but as a competition. When he starts like Arigi away at. Milan. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the Champions League. Yeah. You know what Nat I mean? Phillips. Nat Phillips, exactly. He, he does rotate heavily. Did we finish with Max Volkman up front in but, that? In but that what's important yeah. here is actually the games around the sixth game in the Europa League. They're the really important ones where you need to give everyone that week off. Yeah. So it's important to get a strong start. In this is what I mean. And I wonder whether Salah is just like, how's he feeling? Does he just want to, does, does Salah just want to play in this competition? Does he, because he, he'll, he'll, Probably will. There's someone like Van Dyke where I would make. I think there's a conversation to be had if he'd not been suspended. Where I just don't think he's anywhere near this, and I do the same with Allison as well. Because why? Why risk it? Because you can get. You should be able to get by with what's going underneath. But Salah just might just be sixty minutes of Mo Salah. Let him run the goals up, and then go ahead, mate. Off you pop. Go and get a nice half an hour rest and be in decent nick for the for the weekend. I really don't know. It's a total unknown. It's another really another is. unknown in a season and preseason of total unknowns. You're right. We've we've put some weakened sides out. Even like again to 
AC Milan at home last season. We, mm-hmm. we started quite weak in that game. Yeah, we did. Do you remember Everton? Where he, he loves doing it against Everton as well, specifically. He's got no at home. Yeah, he's, he does yeah. not Where's Pedro Kidavea? This is his chance. Oh, yeah. Oh. But he's, he's always kind of done that. Like, remember the game when Jota got injured and there was no need for him to in play? Denmark. Mitchy Land yeah, or whatever. He's yeah. always like, everyone goes, oh, he'll Dead play all the kids. And then all of a sudden, the first team you're like, what the fucking hell's going on? Then he's like, you cannot play him. You can't risk an injury. And then they're all playing. And you're like, what the fuck? I'm pretty sure he mentioned the prize money for winning games of football last night in the Champions League. Yeah, and I was nearly huge. sick everywhere. And also, <laughs> we, da- we will forget we did actually rotate for that game. It was because, like, I think Jota started Trent that captain. one. Yeah, Trent yeah. captain. Okay. It's funny that, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, interesting decision to make. What would you guys do at home? What 11 you put out? Would you make... I mean, as close to 11 changes as, you, as you're likely to make. Is anyone well? There's a mention in the comments for someone like um, Bobby Clark, for Adrian, yeah, I love that Adrian Apostle, uh, says Bobby Clark. The problem he's got is that, as, as I said before, you're looking at like a, he wants to play in an eight at the moment. We actually we just signed Raven Gravenberg when he got a first little glimpse of him at the weekend. Elliot wants to play there. Sobersly wants to play there. Jones wants to play there. McAllister wants to play there. When Thiago comes back, he'll want to he'll want to play there. I'm sure Stefan Bacetic would be knocking on the manager's door and going, "I can't come out. I was in there. I do a pretty good job against. I was doing a good job against Real Madrid there in the Champions League last season. So what what about me?" Um, Lots of decisions. The subs, I think, are where it's going. I don't. I, I've got a sneaky feeling, like someone like we might see Clark and Doak, but it's like a 10, 15 minutes I, to I go. I do so want to see Doak, though. I do really want to see Doak. Yeah, he's just so electric. Yes, he he's ridiculous. Um, yeah, that would be very nice indeed. But you know, we just don't know. They might just look at it and they might have an analysis that goes, "You don't need, you don't need any of the good lads in this one. This is this is going to sort itself." But yeah, these are worse than Everton. These. <laughs> These are the Austrian Everton. They're not, by the way, because, um, you know, they're in European competition. Um, <laughs> right, so we're going to be uh, chatting and laughing about Everton, chatting and laughing about Manchester United, uh, sitting back and having like an, an approving nod at Tottenham Hotspur and their manager and all the stuff going on there and loads more as well. The Bias Football podcast follows in about 10, 15 minutes time after this uh, exclusively over on redmenplus.com. And as mentioned, if you want to see our five-a-side footballing ex- exploits, uh, the, the Redmen Originals five-a-side special uh, is out on Wednesday on Plus as well. So go over there, sign up, fill your boots uh, and enjoy some amazing extra Liverpool content in video and in podcast uh, guys thank you so much absolute pleasure thank you so much Liverpool for winning um, and hopefully they can win another couple of games before we return for another Redman Originals next Monday Ta-da. hey folks I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.